Jay, I was sounding like a good bloke till you told them I was here to watch the football. It just so happens that the football is on while youth is on and there's a TV in the office and it's just like, yeah, thanks. Thanks, guys. And uh, Lozzie Lott's preaching next week, so I think she was warming up by hosting today and she's ready to go for next Sunday. So that should be good. Really good. I've often said that the best preacher in the Lott household is not me and um, you'll get to see a little bit of that next Sunday morning. Hey, today is Count Me In Sunday. And Count Me In Sunday is an important, integral part in the life of our church. And I don't want you, church, to think, oh, Count Me In Sunday, I've been to one of them before. I want you to engage. Earlier this morning, we said that we want the Holy Spirit to have His way in us. And really, it's praying that you would have open hearts, open ears, open mind, open spirit to what God wants to do in your life. Count Me In Sunday is an opportunity where I get to share the vision, the heartbeat of who we are as a church, where we're going, but also gives you an opportunity for you to respond and you to say, yeah, I want to engage, I want to be involved, I want to be a part of what's going on in the life of our church. So I'm going to get into it because we've got a fair bit to get through. I've got a few people coming up to help in the sharing this morning. Let's start with this. We've been practicing, not practicing, we've been looking at for a while who we are. Who we are as a church. We've said this year that church is not a building. We've said this year that church is not a service, but church is a body of believers. So we wrote this statement that this is who we are. We are a community united by mission. If you want to know who we are, we just said we're sons and daughters of God, but who we are as a church, in my mind, this is the way that we define it. We are a community united by mission. And what is the mission that unites us? In the words of Jesus, when he was speaking to his disciples before going up to heaven, he said these words, Matthew 28, 19. He said, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. The mission of this church is not that complicated. It's not that fancy, but it's straight from the words that Jesus said. The mission of this church is this, to go and make disciples. Plain and simple, nothing more, nothing less, but something profound that Jesus said to his disciples. The reason why we do this, the reason why we say this is our mandate, this is why we do what we do, is one, Jesus instructed us to. That's a pretty good reason if you want more. But also we want to be motivated by the same thing that motivated him. You know, my prayer is always this, that the things that move God's heart would move my heart. The things that got Jesus' attention would get my attention. The things that troubled him, the things that upset him, the things that moved him to compassion would be the things that moved me. And God's motivation was and is love. You know, John 3, 16 to 17, it's a well-known scripture, but it says God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world but to save the world through him. For us as a church, the motivation for doing what we do, the motivation for making disciples, the motivation for our services, the motivation for everything that we do is and will always be about love. The same motivation that God had to send His Son to the earth would be the same motivation that we have for doing what we do. Our our mission is to go and make disciples, but our vision, the thing that we want to see is for all to know love. Again, simple but something I hope that you can remember. The, the, the vision for me is the why we do what we do. If we pull this off and we were successful in this, it would mean that people know the love of God. 
that people know the genuine, real, authentic love of a father. 1 John 4, 8 tells us that God is love. And so when we say our vision is for all to know love, our vision is for all to know real love, for all to know the love of God, the love of a father that is for them, not against them. You know, God sending his son Jesus to the earth is the greatest love story ever told. And it's that love story is the, is the vision, is the motivation, is the why behind why we do what we do. Again, another question that I am motivated by is this. Have we given those in our communities an opportunity to know love? Have we given them that opportunity, just like Liz was speaking about with Sienna? Have we given them an opportunity to know the love of God? How they respond is up to them, and how you respond to the love of God is up to you. But I believe our mandate, our, our mission, our vision, our calling is to put out there so that everyone has that opportunity to know God's love. And the way that they will know it is by what we say, but also by what we do by how we treat each other, by how we treat one another, by how we treat those that can give us nothing, the, the way we treat people that have got nothing to give us that we can gain from, how we treat them is how they will know the love of God. That's the vision, the motivation of why we do what we do. For all to know love is quite a compelling thing to do, a quite a compelling thing to be motivated by. You know, in our mission, there were two key words. These two key words are go and make. Go to me speaks about this. If you grew up in church and you heard the word go and make disciples, you normally heard this word. Who's ever heard this word growing up in church? The word is outreach. Anyone ever heard of the word outreach? Anyone ever been involved in an outreach program or an outreach event? And outreach is good. It served a purpose. But I think there's something that I've been on a process of, and I think we as a church have been a process of, of replacing that one, that word outreach with this word. Or it's actually two words. The words are community engagement. Outreach was usually an event or a program, whereas community engagement is an everyday thing. Because I actually believe this call to go is an everyday thing not an event on a church calendar, not a program in a church's mission, but it's something that all of us do every day of our life. Tomorrow morning when you get up and you go to work or you go to school or you go to study, you are going. You are going into your community, you are going into your world, and you are going into the place where God has called you. For me, outreach is great and we will still do things that reach out to people. But the main calling for us when it comes to go is to go into our communities where we already are and make a difference. To be the hands and the feet of Jesus. To demonstrate the love of God that we've talked about this morning with our words but also with our deeds. It's a personal responsibility and I believe it's a call on all of us. When I say our, call, our mission is go and make disciples, every single one of us can take on that mandate to go. Where is it? The place that God has already placed you. He's already given you influence. He's already given you friendships. He's already given you relationships with people in a world and an environment. That is the place that I believe he's calling you to go. Go is not a church event, but go is a mandate within a heart that says, you know what, there are people out there that do not know the love of God, and I believe it is my call and my responsibility to demonstrate that love to them with my words and with my actions. That's what the go is about. The next key word in there is make. Go and make. We are called to make disciples. You know, in our life, we're making something. All of us are building something. 
forming something, building a business, building a family, building a home. And we are called in this scripture to go and make disciples. And I believe, again, that disciples are not made through events or programs, but disciples are made through relationships. Relationships is how disciples are made. A disciple is simply this. You want to know what a disciple is? A disciple is simply a follower of Jesus Christ. And we are called to go and make disciples, to equip people to go and make disciples. It's like this repeating process. A disciple is not just someone that follows Jesus. A disciple is someone that follows Jesus, but also tries to go and make other disciples who will follow Jesus as well. You know, people outside of the church will, will label us in this regard. They'll say, oh, the church, they're always trying to convert us. They're always trying to, you know, get us to follow their way. And we don't want it to be um, unnatural. We don't want it to be a project or a target. But there is this underlying thing in the gospel in what Jesus said, that if it's good news, then that good news should be spread to others. If it's made a difference in your life, if the love of God has transformed your life, then why wouldn't you want to tell others about that? The call is to go and to make. And Jesus gives us a great blueprint on how to do this. Jesus spent three years with his disciples doing life together. That's the discipleship program right there. Three years of relationship. Three years of eating together. Three years of traveling together. Three years of doing life together. That's how Jesus made disciples amongst his 12. He did life with them. He did relationship with them. He did time together. And at the end of that time, when he was leaving the earth, he gave these final instructions. It's what we read before, Matthew 28. But let me read you the next verse because it tells you also the mandate. It says, teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. He tells us how to do it. He gives us an example of how to do it. He shows us how to do it. It's through relationship. It's through time together. You know, I believe these words, go and make, are powerful words for all of our life. And go and make, to me, are words that go together. They are words that work really well together. They are like the two rails of a railway track. They're headed in the same direction. They're aligned with one another. The two things are not one or the other. You don't just go into the world. All right, I'm here. What do I do now? And you don't just make disciples, but it's go and make together. Like I said, the railway track heading together in the same direction, going in the same way, aligned, going forward with a purpose. They work together. And I believe that's what we as a church are called to do. Who are we? We are a, mission. We are a community united by mission. We go and we make disciples. And the reason we do that is for all to know love. For all to know the love of God. That's who we are and what we are called to do. You know, last year we spent a bit of time putting some core values together. These are words that I just want to quickly go back to because they're words that help frame why we do what we do, how we do what we do. They help us with our decision making. You know, we are not perfect. I said before we're a community united by mission. I'm yet to meet a group of people that are perfect in every way. I don't know, maybe I haven't been to your house before and I get that opportunity to know you and see how perfect you are. But I'm yet to come across a perfect group of people. But in our imperfection, in our brokenness, in our human nature, trying to say yes to the spirit and no to the flesh, in all of that, we still are aiming to be these things. The five core values that we have said for our church are these words. The first one is innovation. Do you know that the message of Jesus Christ has not changed? 
God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But we believe there are innovative ways to communicate the message of God to this generation. You know, there is a generation of people growing up that do not know God. A generation that do, haven't grown up with Sunday school, that haven't grown up with Scripture, haven't grown up with, with parents that know Jesus. A, ge- a whole generation. And we've got to get creative in our ways of reaching this generation. We've got to get thinking, what's the new thing? What's not the changing the message, not diluting it down, but just always be going, God, what is the innovative way of reaching the people in my world? I believe that as our God is a creative God, He is a creator, He created us to create. Isaiah 43, 19 says, I am doing a new thing. And we as a church want to be prepared to do new things. Here's the thing about new things. They don't always work. Sometimes they're a flop. But you know what? When you're in an innovative church, you're prepared to have a go and try things. And if they don't work, you go, well, that didn't work. We'll try something else. But we don't want to go around and around in circles doing the same old thing and going, why is this not working? If something's not working, we want to look and go, okay, what's a new way of doing it? They said that if you're riding a dead horse, get off. (laughs) Find one that's alive. The next one is freedom. The message of Jesus sets people free. And we believe that we are called to help set people free from sin and also released from religion. This to me has two folds. For people in my world that don't know God, that are far from him, I believe that by telling them about Jesus, I can help let them be set free from the bondage of sin and hurt and the things that are holding them back. But for us in the church, I also believe there's a call to help set people within the church free from religion, free from ritual, free from stuff that they're just doing and going through the motions, but to have a live and free living relationship with Jesus Christ. So it's a twofold mandate there, the freedom 2 Corinthians 3.17 says, Wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. That's right. Acceptance. The love of God is for all people. We believe we are called to break down the barriers that stop people from knowing His love. I love Romans 15.7. It says, Accept each other just as Christ has accepted you. We are so thankful that Christ accepted us just as we are. And it's that same mandate and call to accept others as they are. Community. We believe that the church is not a building or a service, but it is at its core a community of Christ followers. And Matthew 18, 20 says, For where two or three gather together as my followers, I am there among them. Church is not just a service. Church is not just this that you see on a Sunday, but church is so much more than that. And the church at its core is wherever a community get together, wherever a group of people get together as followers of Christ, there Christ is, and there the church is. So wherever you are, wherever you are in your world, wherever you gather together, that's the church. So the church is not contained to a location or a time slot. The church is you and me, wherever we are in our world, in our community. That is the body of Christ. The final one for our core value is unity. We are united by mission. We believe we are better together. And that by working together, we can fulfill God's plan and purpose for our lives. Romans 12.5 says this, We are many parts of the one body we are called to be one our mission our vision and our core values that's who we are it's what we're called to do you know for a while we've been saying that at some stage real life church we will rename our church and I I don't have a name to announce for you today I, I wish I did but I want it to be something that generates out of a natural thing not a forced thing and I do believe that our new name what we'll be known by is one of, is something from what I've just shared. 
It'll come out of our mission, our vision, and our core values. It'll come out of who we are. It'll be like when I say, this is our new name. Of course it is, because that's who we are. And at the moment, we haven't figured that out yet. So you're just going to have to be patient. We're aiming for November. That would be great, wouldn't it? But at the end of the day, I'd rather that people in our communities would know love rather than know our name. I'd rather make disciples of Jesus than make disciples of Real Life Church or any other church name. Because we don't need to know a new name to know what we're called to do. We don't need to know that. We can get on with what we've been called to do right now. There is nothing stopping you and I from doing what we've just talked about. Nothing at all. It's a mission and a vision that I pray you are a part of. It's a mission and a vision that I hope that you see, hey, you know what? There's a part for me to play there. I don't need to be on staff. I don't need to be on team. I don't even need to have a role for me to play a part in this vision. But I can get about doing what I've been called to do. That's who we are. That's what we're called today. The next part of this morning, I want to talk to you about how you can be involved. What are the parts that you can play? How can you engage with the mission and vision of this church? You know, a key way of being involved in church life is by volunteering or serving. And many of you do this and we're so grateful for it because there's a whole wide range of opportunities to get involved and to volunteer. We've got these blue forms and these are available in the foyer after the service. There's a desk that it's actually right near the door so you can't walk out without seeing it. But these are some of the great ways across church life that you can be involved and you can volunteer and you can say, you know what, I can play a part in that. There's something that I can do to help in that regard. There'll be people at that desk that you can speak to about how you can be involved. The thing is this, it's not just on Sundays. There's, there's opportunities to be involved midweek. It's not just up front, but so much of the volunteering goes on behind closed doors and you'll never see it. But if it doesn't happen, you'll see the result. If it doesn't happen, you'll see that it hasn't been done. And to get involved with church life is simply to say, you know what, I can, I can be involved. I can give a Sunday a month or I can give a Wednesday a month or I can do this. I can be involved in some way. And you take that little bit and you do it. I was preparing for this and I read a quote by Martin Luther Luther King Jr. And it's not on the slides because I only read it this morning. It says this, everybody can be great because anybody can serve. You don't have to have a college degree to serve. You don't have to make your subject and verb agree to serve. You only need a heart full of grace a soul generated by love. That's all you need. If you've got that, you can serve, you can be involved, you can belong. There are many of you who do this, and I want to acknowledge you this morning that we don't do church without you. It's not about what happens up here, but we need each other. We actually need each other. Together, we are better. And one of those people that has served faithfully in the life of this church, and I'm picking on one because there's many that I could come out, but that person's name is Paulie Goodshaw. And I'm going to ask Paulie to come up and join me right now. Let's give him a hand as he comes on up. So I've just asked Paulie, I'm going to ask him a few quick questions about this whole volunteering thing. And um, he's been prepped, so he shouldn't be any surprises up here. So Paulie, the first question is, how long have you been part of this church? Uh, almost 14 years, uh, by the end of August. August, it'll be 14 years? That's like, how long's this church been here? 14 years? 
You're one of the uh, originals. All right, next question. How long have you been volunteering? Oh, be 14 years by the beginning of October. Very good. All right, Paulie, I want you to tell us where you volunteer. What is the things that you do to volunteer? Well, where I volunteer uh, is mainly in the team that I oversight, which is um, service team. So basically what I do uh, with my team, we, we look after the foyer area, make sure it's all clean and tidy, make sure the auditorium is uh, set up the way how we require it for any given day. And we uh, do the collections and, and we also hand out the communion and usher people to seats. There's so many little things what just helps uh, the service uh, run right. Very good. And question, this is the most important one really, or the next two. Why do you do it? What's your motivation for doing this? My motivation is the heart of God. God... As, as, as you said, John 3.16, and I love it when we replace it with God so loves me. And, and God, God's our father. And uh, so as kids, we want to be doing what dad does. And uh, the heart of uh, serving to me is showing the love of Christ to people so they can feel at ease in the service so the Holy Spirit can work in their hearts what he needs to do. Awesome, Paul. All right, final question. On the days that you don't feel like it, (laughs) when you've come off night shift and it's nice and warm in bed and you've got a bad attitude, because let's face it, some days we have bad attitudes. What is it that causes you to still rock up? The connection, because just a word to someone, you know, just being able to uh, uh, welcome people is something that makes my heart uh, really swell because you don't know what that kind word can mean to someone because you don't know what's happened. So my heart is, even though I might feel crap, but I'll, I, I come because not just being able to speak into people what people what i see in people doing from standing up the back gives me great joy god's blessing me in so many ways in serving so therefore it's really an honor to serve it's not it's not something you go oh do i have to come yeah sometimes it's hard as you said getting out of bed and you think oh i'm so tired and exhausted but at the end of the day, by the day's over, I'm, I'm happy. I'm, I'm really joyful and I just can't wait to see everyone's faces. And I just want you all to know God has given you gifts and talents and just don't, don't let them go to waste because he is our father. And I just want to see is grow in the areas what our father has for each and every one of us because there's great plans so don't allow them lay dormant because you're you're missing out on the great blessings what he has for you awesome thank you paulie while you were speaking paul i just realized that i've got some serious beard envy right now (laughs) hang on I love 
people like Paulie Goodshaw. Because I don't, I've, I've never heard Paulie preach, worship lead. I've never seen him do anything flashy, but you know what I do see him do? Nearly every Sunday, he seems to be on nearly every Sunday, is he's here. And even the days he's not rostered on, he's still doing those things because he just has an amazing heart. When I rocked up this morning, he was cleaning the windows because that's um, just amazing motivation. And you may not have the same amount of time that Paulie does, but just like he said, we've all got something that we can offer and be a part of. And like I said, these blue forms will be at the desk after the service. That's a practical way you can engage in the life of church. Hearing Paul talk and seeing Paul serve and seeing many of you serve, I'm reminded of this scripture, 1 Corinthians 12 from the message, verse about 25 says this, the way God designed our bodies is a model for understanding our lives together as a church. Every part dependent on every other part. The parts we mention and the parts we don't. The parts we see and the parts we don't. If one part hurts, every other part is involved in the hurt and in the healing. If one part flourishes, then every other part enters into the exuberance. You are Christ's body. That's who you are. You must never forget this. Only as you accept your part of your body of the body, only as you accept your part of that body does your part mean anything. And I love that people like Paul and like others in this room are playing their part. Another opportunity to engage with the vision and mission of this church comes in the way of missions teams, teams that we send to other parts of the world, teams that we send to other parts of Australia, or teams that we send to our local community. Recently, we've had a team return home from Vanuatu, and Jay, if you want to start to make your way up on stage, Jay's going to tell us in a moment just about, yeah, you can give him a hand, about the, the team that we sent to Vanuatu, but just before he does, just letting you know, later this year, we've got a team going to Arnhem Land, and then a team going to India, and then next year, there'll be the team going back to Madan in Indonesia, so there's always going to be opportunities for you to be part of teams like this. But like I said, Jay's going to tell us a little bit about what these guys got up to in Vanuatu. Thanks, mate. Yes, um, primarily we went over to build a house for some orphaned boys. Well, when we say boys, they were young men that had nowhere to live. And um, right, you see there, there was about nine to 12 of them in that room, which was, it's like, I just went in and went, what? And that's their home. So we went to build a bigger place for them. They were going to end up using that as a kitchen, but I think they won't use that as a kitchen. They're going to put more boys in it. That's what they'll do. Um, look, it was, it was a privilege for me. It was great to uh, take my family. I took my two boys. Asher took his best mate. I took my father-in-law. It was great to bond as a family and experience a different culture. Great to have your eyes open to the needs of other people because it's so easy to get caught in your bubble, isn't it? and not understand what's going on. But the team was great. Um, I really loved hanging with you guys. Um, you, we all said, well, we looked out for each other. We loved each other. It was, it was just a great experience. Some great photos there of the locals. Um, one thing I wanted to... Probably, probably the thing that touched me the most, you'll see it coming up soon, is um, there was a village that was being evicted because... <laughs> People buy land without deeds. They think they're buying land, they don't get the deed and then the owner of the land comes along and says, this is my land, you have to get off and they're going to bulldoze the village. So you'll see it coming, oh, that's Gaz there trying to work out how much the milkshakes are going to cost him. 
at the end of the day, the locals like, milkshake, milkshake. So we gathered, shout the milkshakes. So you'll see soon, it's quite heartbreaking because you cannot do enough over there. You just, a week was not enough. You cannot do enough. And we were asked to offer some transport. So this woman, this family had to move their house and they, there's no way of getting their uh, timber and their iron to somewhere else to live. So here it is here. If you can just have a look there, just have a look there. And next one, so, sorry, Liz. So that's half their house. So look at the timber there. There was a ute that had the sheet of iron. We had to carry it in. So uh, you look there, if you can just stop there, that's probably the picture that I took that was, can you, is it all right if you go back? Can you go back? So that's a house that we pretty much dumped on the land. There's no power there. There's no water. There's no toilet. There's no nothing. And, I mean, I wish we could stay and build a new house for them, but just the fact that we were able to transport it to another part of the island was a godsend. There was no way that they could get that house. But I could not believe... That's, that's rubbish here. We throw that away. We wouldn't recycle it because even the iron, it had too many holes in it, but they're going to put that up and live in it. And to me, that was like, you know, we, we have so much. Even the church that... Um, Right at the beginning there, you can keep going, Liz. Even the church that we uh, worshipped at, man, so much joy in that place. It was under a tin roof. They needed $28,000 to put a roof on their new building. You know, we've spent over 100000 re-roofing our building. We have to do that. But it puts it in perspective, doesn't it, to go $28,000. They'd saved half of it. $12,500, they could have a new roof. Not much, is it? Um, and then this was the village on Saturday that we visited. The, the ladies handed out 100 hygiene packs to make you know, life for the women easier, which a lot of you people in here are part of sewing them. And, but if you just have a look at some of these photos, um, you know, this is a kitchen here and there's a bed down on the floor there. This is, this is how they live. And they're happy, but they're in need too. They're 94% unemployment. There's no jobs. The government is poor. The only way you survive is by growing food and bartering, swapping it with other people. But look, I, I, a couple of things I wanted to encourage you with. It's, it's great to experience that. It's great if you... There's, we're, we're always... Lottie was talking about Arnhem Land. There's always opportunities to go away and serve. It's great. It, it's a great experience just to open your eyes. One thing I wanted to say, though, we can't all go. Like, you know, you might not be able to go. But count me in, what moves me the most when we talk about missions is, as a church, we have a vision of what we can achieve and we have a budget. We say, I don't know what it is this year. Find out in five minutes. And to me, I go, okay, we need that much money so we can do all these things. And it breaks my heart to think, if we don't give, we can't do them. And uh, you know, and that really stirs me. I want to give. I want to see this thing fly. I, I don't want to not be able to do it just because we couldn't give when we are so blessed in this country. And I just really wanted to challenge you guys. I was challenged over there and I've heard this and it just came back to me. We can't outgive God. You know, the Bible clearly says that God supplies seed to the sower. So you sow your seed and you run out. He's going to give you more because that's what he does. You don't have to go, where am I going to get the seed? Because God says, I will give you the seed you sow. 
And I just wanted to challenge you, whether it's money, whether it's time, sow and God will supply. And yeah, just really wanted to challenge you with that. Thanks, Jay. Thanks to all the team that went to Vanuatu. I know that um, the locals, I was saying to, um, I think I was saying, I can't remember who I was saying to, just the simple act of giving up your time and your finances to go and help speaks volumes to people. And um, it's just a great thing to do. So there's those opportunities and you'll hear more about them. But I want to talk to you about some local opportunities, some local teams. Jay said you might not be able to go to Vanuatu, but these are some things you may be able to do. During NADOC week, which is the first week of July, the local, let me get these words right, Mindariba, did I say that right? They're running a family fun day on Thursday the 12th of July during the school holidays at Metford. And there's an opportunity for us as a church to be involved in that, in our local community. There's an opportunity, mums, families, if you're looking for something to do during the school holidays, just go and be at this thing. Don't have to serve, don't have to volunteer, just go and attend it and be part of something happening in our local community. NADOC Week is not just for Aboriginal people, it is for all Australians to celebrate what happens within our Aboriginal community. And later in the year, in a few weeks' time, we'll actually do something on a Sunday to celebrate that. But NADOC Week is a great opportunity to engage in a local thing. On the Thursday, there is going to be a stall there. Maitland Evangelical Church are putting on a stall and they need volunteers. So we've said we'll partner with you, another church in our area, and say we will help with volunteers. So they need people to help with face painting, uh, looking after the jumping castle and kids craft. Just some simple stuff that you can do. That is something that you can go to the info, the table as well in the foyer and say, hey, I want to be involved on that day. Thursday, the 12th of July, I can give up a few hours to be part of that day. Or you might just say, you know what, we're going to be there on that day. We'll make it a school holiday activity for our family just to be there and be a part of it and be, the, be involved. It's simple yet effective. The other thing locally is city service happening in October. We've had one meeting with the mayor, our new mayor, or she's not that new anymore, she's been there for a little while, but the new mayor of Maitland met with her about saying, what can we do in the local area? City serve is practical projects in the local community done by the church, not just one church, but a number of churches that have said, we want to just, what's a project? What's a need? What's something that we could do in our local area? And we're just waiting to hear back from them about what the project will be. But that will be in October, one weekend in October, where we'll be doing something practically in a local way. These are some great opportunities to volunteer and serve, and you don't have to go overseas and take a week off work to do it. There's something that we can all do practically at a local level. So any way of being volunteering or serving in the church, in the community, blue form, desk in the foyer, you can't miss it as you walk out. But I just pray that you would find your way of being involved. All right, in the last next five minutes, another way of being involved is by giving. And Jay's already touched on this. When it comes to vision and mission, a way of engaging is a great way. A great way to know that you're engaged in vision is if you're giving to vision. The things that we give to, the things that we put money towards reveal where our priorities and where our heart is. And in this church, we ask you to give in two main ways. We ask every week, we do a tithe and an offering message and that my buckets go around and that money goes to the ongoing expenses of this church, the wages of the staff, the running expenses, the ministries, the programs, all the different things that go on in the life of church. 
And I felt this morning to read you these two scriptures because sometimes people question that to me. And they go, how come this and how come that? And these two scriptures, 1 Corinthians 9 and 1 Timothy 5, they say this. Don't you realize that those who work in the temple get their meals from the offerings brought to the temple? And those who serve at the altar get a share of the sacrificial offerings. In the same way, the Lord ordered that those who preach the good news should be supported by those who benefit from it. 1 Timothy 5. Oh, you can clap. That's all right. (laughs) Elders who do their work well should be respected and paid well, especially those who work hard at both preaching and teaching. For the scriptures say you must not muzzle an ox and keep it from eating as it treads out the grain. And in another place, those who work deserve their pay. The tithe, which is the 10% of our income, and the offering that we give every week, God tells us to bring that into his storehouse. That is used to fund and run the ministers and the ministries of this church. That's what your weekly giving goes towards. It goes to my wage. It goes to the electricity bill. It goes to the coffee cups. It goes to a whole range of different things to allow us to do what we do. And again, thank you to those who faithfully give in this way. Do you know it is a very sobering and humbling experience to stand up here and read those scriptures when you know that it's your wage that gets paid from it? It's not something I do lightly actually getting a little bit shaky even just doing it right now because it is a humbling thing to do it is not something i enjoy to do and is never something i want to manipulate anyone in but the simple reality engaging and being involved in a church has this element where you take what you've hard earned and you give it into a a local church And with that money, the local church operates and does what it's called to do. And thank you to those who faithfully do that. Reality is, it's what we're called to do. And without it, we cease to exist. Another way that we give is our count me in offering. Our count me in offering is all the stuff above and beyond all of that. Our Count Me In offering goes towards our community centre, to real care, and all the vision and mission partners that we partner with. Our community centre, which is the building that we are in, earlier this year we refinanced our mortgage, and currently we have a balance of $745,000 on our mortgage. Aren't you glad that's not your personal one? And if it is, I'm praying for you. 745000 is what we owe on this building. Monthly repayments are $6,100 every month that we pay to repay that mortgage. Earlier this year, we completed some major works. We put on a new roof, new air conditioners. We installed a shower and laundry facility. There's a new parents' room and the new food bank room, which is currently getting decked out. We did all of that because of your giving faithfully to the building program, to our community centre. We ask that when you give to Count Me In, you know, the community centre is a large chunk of what we are giving towards. In real care, 
We've got the Welcome Place, which is our Welcome Community Centre on a Wednesday where we welcome people in. We've got our crisis food packages. We've got the Christmas Day lunch, the Christmas packages. City serve the community festivals and events like the Family Fun Day that we're part of. Real Care does all that and so much more. There's our vision partners, which are people that we give to financially. There's scripture in our local schools. There's Liberty for the Nations, which is who we partnered with in Vanuatu. There's Stephen, Helen, Blake. There's the tablets, which is the um, devices that people in the Philippines and in Cyprus are learning discipleship so they can go and plant churches. And $200 puts someone through that training program for a year, so we partner with people like that. There's Youth Alive, which is reaching the next generation of young people. We sow into the Hunter Youth Alive event. There's Gangala, which is who we go to Arnhem Land with, and they train and equip Aboriginal people to go into Aboriginal communities and plant churches and reach their communities for Jesus. There's Willie and Sandra Dumas, who we support in that. There's church planning in India. There's Compassion. By the way, last week we had Compassion Sunday, and I can tell you that all of the kids in both of our projects have now been sponsored. So thank you, church, for doing sponsoring that. We are looking now for a third project because we've exhausted the need, and we're going, okay, what's another project in that Madan area that we can partner with? And every two years there's an opportunity to go to Madan and to see those kids and to see the work of Compassion in Indonesia. So that's a great thing. But all of those things that I've just quickly gone through, that's what we give to in our Count Me In offering. We give to the community centre, we give to real care, and we give to those vision partners that we enable us to bless them in the work that they do both locally and around the world. The community centre and real care is tax deductible. When you give to them and you nominate that you're giving to them and you give us your name, we can give you a tax receipt if you nominate on that form. You can allocate where you want your money to go or you can just give it to what we call our foundation and we will split it up across the different areas of need. You can choose where it goes or you can let us choose. Either way, that's what we give to when we give to our Count Me In offering. At the start this year, we set a goal of $125,000 for 2018, which might seem like a lot. But I did maths at school, and I'm going to give you some maths for you right now. Aren't you glad? If 200 people gave $12 a week, we would meet that target. $12 a week is three coffees or one large Big Mac meal. And and both of them probably aren't that good for you. $12 a week. The reality is some of us can give more than $12 a week and others of us $12 a week is a stretch. But my point is this, it's not much if we each give a bit a week and say for the year we can do $125,000. If we all did our part, that $125 we could do easily. Currently so far we have given $34,000 which means that we've got $91,000 to go. And even that, some more maths for you because you love maths so much. Even now, if we just started today, $17.50 a week would see us get to the $125 by the end of the year. Whatever it is, my point is that if we just said, you know what, we can give this amount. For our family, we can't give a lot in the offering today. But what we do every fortnight when we get paid is we put money into the Count Me In offering. And if we all just gave a little bit a portion each week, each fortnight, each month, whenever we got paid, the 125 we could do so achievable. 
And you know what, church? I'm prepared to have a go. I'm prepared to go. This is something that I'm worth putting my money into. I'm not just going to ask you to give. I'm telling you that we are giving and we invite you to give as well. Because it's not about our needs. It's not about our goals, but it's going, God, what is it that you've called us as a church to do? What is it that we could do together that we could not do on our own? In my own strength and my own ability, I would love to be able to give 125000 Right now, my boss doesn't pay me enough to do that. But together, we can do 125000 And I just simply ask you to do these things. I ask you to ask God to lead you and to guide you. It's not my cause. It's His cause. It's not my will. It's His will. Um, Jesus said this in the garden. He said these famous words, not my will, but yours be done. And if this is your church home, if this is the church that you say, this is my church, I am part of that community united by that mission, then I simply ask you to say this simple prayer to God. God, what is it that you would have me do? Where should I volunteer and how much should I give? Lead me and guide me. Direct me, show me. You know, practical, simple steps that say, God, I'm on board with what you're doing. I encourage you. I'm going to ask the creative team to come back up right now. In a moment, we're going to receive our Count Me In offering. And I would invite you to give. I want to give you an opportunity to give. You can either give directly right now, or you can take one of these that are on your seats, that are at the info desk, And fill one out and say, you know what, Lottie, I'm not prepared to give today. But I am prepared to give 10 bucks a week for the rest of the year. I am prepared to give $100 a month for the rest of the year. I can do that. You fill one of these out. It lets us know that you're on board and we're going, you know what? We are working towards that target and that goal of $125,000. Thanks, Matthew. Here all week. Try the steak. This is our opportunity. In the foyer today, you can sign up to volunteer. You can give. If you're not ready to do either of those two things, I encourage you to go home or wherever you're doing and this week make that decision and come back next Sunday or the Sunday after with this filled out, with the volunteer form filled out, saying, I've prayed about it, I've thought about it, and this is how much and this is where because this is my church and I want to be part of what God's doing in and amongst us. I'm going to ask this church to stand in a moment. I'm going to read a, a passage of scripture. And the service team, Paulie, is ready to collect the offering in a minute. But I want you to prepare what you are going to give, or at least be praying about what it is that you're going to give. I really felt strongly this morning to encourage, is that the right word, encourage? That regular, consistent giving. The set it up and go, this is something that I will commit to. I'll put a direct debit in, whatever it is. This is just my way of being involved and a part. I'm going to read a passage of scripture, which is what David prayed when the people brought what they had and they built the temple. Now, we're not building a temple, but we are giving to the cause. We are giving to his kingdom. 
And David said these words, and I want to read them over us today. And then I'm going to pray and ask the offering to go. Verse, where are we? 1 Chronicles 29. The people rejoiced over the offering, for they had given freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord, and King David was filled with joy. Then David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly. O Lord, the God of our ancestor, may you be praised forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power, the glory, the victory, and the majesty. Everything in the heavens and on the earth is yours, O Lord, and this is your kingdom. We adore you as the one who is over all things. Wealth and honor come from you alone, for you rule over everything. Power and might are in your hand, and at your discretion, people are made great and given strength. O our God, we thank you and we praise your glorious name. We give you praise. O Lord, our God, even this material we have gathered to build a temple to honor your holy name comes from you. It all belongs to you. I know, my God, that you examine our hearts and you rejoice when you find integrity there. You know I have done all this with good motives and I have watched your people offer their gifts willingly and joyously. O Lord, the God of our ancestors, Abraham, Isaac and Israel, make your people always want to obey you. See to it that their love for you never changes. Give my son Solomon the wholehearted desire to obey all your commands, laws and decrees and to do everything necessary to build this temple for which I have made these preparations. Verse 20. Then David said to the whole assembly, Give praise to the Lord your God. And the entire assembly praised the Lord, the God of their ancestors. And they bowed low and knelt before the Lord and the king. You know, everything that we have has come from him. And today is not about giving out of our own. It's just simply saying, God, everything that we have is yours. And we want to play our part with what you've entrusted to us. We want to sow into your kingdom, into your cause, into your purpose on the earth. So I'm going to ask us to stand. Can we all stand? And then as we stand, I want us to give... And let this prayer that David prayed be a prayer over us, that it's not out of manipulation, it's not out of guilt, but it's simply done out of a desire that we would play our part, that we would give to the cause of Christ on the earth, and that we would say, God, not our will be done, but your will be done. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, team. I'll hand to Loz because we've gone a bit over time. Let's give that offering. And I'll let Lozzie wrap this up.